Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. I am back with CP, the franchise of Knicks Fan TV. And no Gavin today, but CP and I finish up our discussion reviewing RJ Barrett's season. Obviously, a really important player to look at going forward and for his impact from this year, how much of it is sustainable. And we get into some of that. We talk about how much of what RJ did this year is sustainable, what he'll improve on, what he might regress on. We talk about how a replacement at point guard might help RJ out a little bit to have someone who's a little more invested in his success. We talk about whether we think RJ is untouchable, if he's just a guy who's destined to be part of a bigger star package, you know, to trade for someone or somewhere in the middle and lots of other stuff. We get into all kinds of stuff, finishing up our discussion on RJ Barrett from this season next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked on Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. At 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland which you can find at thestrick.land. And as I said, I'm joined by CP of Knicks Fan TV today. We're going to finish our RJ Barrett discussion right now. We've gotten through the stats. Now it's time to talk like big picture stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess first, we, we talked on it a little bit, but mm-hmm. I want to hone in on it. Like, how do you feel about the uptick in shooting and everything that we saw from RJ this year? Like, do you think it's sustainable? Like, do you think, do you think that maybe there's going to be some regression next year? Or do you think that this was sort of like the tip of the iceberg in a way for his development? And it's going to kind of just get better from here. Like, obviously at a certain point, he's going to find a ceiling. I don't know what it is, but what the more I think about it and, and let me know what you think of this, but the more I think about it, I think we are going to see some form of regression in the shooting numbers next year. But I think the reason, and, or, well, maybe not the overall field goal percentage number. I think mm-hmm. that might hold steady or even get a little slightly better. And I think that's going to be because he'll get better at finishing around the rim. I think the three-point percentage is going to go down a little bit across the board. Same with Julius Randle and same with a number of guys on the team. Because I do think once you get into a loaded crowd environment, more so than an empty gym environment, it is going to affect things to yeah. some degree. Like it, it, guys are across the league, I think are going to shoot mm-hmm. a little worse next year. I think a lot of guys shot really, really high percent. Like it's probably going to make some guys some money this summer. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, the way that they shot this year and whatever. But like, so I think we're going to see some regression in that regard, but also hopefully because he's going to start taking a more diversified shot diet. But then the other thing is, I, I think that I, I'm of the opinion that this is just scratching the surface because I think even if the shooting numbers regress, 
I think we're going to see so much more out of him as far as he's going to keep developing the handle. He's going to develop like all these things that we're talking about the mid range game a little bit. Um, you know, he's going to keep getting better on, on defense and, you know, he's going to look to, I think hopefully look to be more of like a distributor and, and that would come along with the handle as well. Yeah. I mean, I guess really a lot of this comes down like the off the dribble shooting, all that stuff is going to come down to if he can take a leap in his handle next year. And I just think he's enough of a maniac, like enough of a gym rat type that he probably will make that happen. I mean, if he can take a, what did I say? A, a 8% leap in three point percentage from his rookie to his sophomore season. I don't see why he couldn't develop a, a tighter handle, a lower center of gravity while he's dribbling all that good stuff to, you know, sort of get him to that next level as a ball handler too. But what do you think about like the sustainability and like what we're, what we're going to see from him going forward? Yeah, I, I think it can be sustained, man. I You may have a slight drop off because I, I agree with you um, with the infusion of the crowd. I think things will, will change a little bit. But just looking at, you know, when, when we started having NBA crowds, I think we started around um, February. Where's the game against Sacramento? February 25th against Sacramento. We had, we, what did we have? 2,000 in the garden. All right, that was a little bit, but we still had a rocking garden. You know, two for three against Sacramento, four for six against the Pacers, two for four against Detroit. You had a couple one for two nights, three for six against uh, OKC. That was the career high game in OKC. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you had a couple. You still had some efficient efficient nights from, from the three-point stripe, even when the crowd started to come back in. I, I think the, the kid is a dog, man. I, I just feel like the, the work that he's going to put in to, to impact his overall game, as you said, the ball handling, um, getting bigger, uh, you know, as he continues to, to fill out as an NBA player, working on the mid-range game. Um, maybe those numbers, you know, dip a little bit once once the pressure is up a little bit. And then, as you said, as he as he develops a bit more balance in his game. But I, I think he's, he's going to continue uh, the trajectory from year two to year three and just continue to be a positive impact on this team. Last year, the assist to turnover ratio went down a little bit. You know, he's still being careful with the ball. As you said, you want to see him uh, get a bit more creative in terms of finishing instead of just chucking. Sometimes he, he he's, you know, zero to a hundred all or nothing. And sometimes he's left chucking up bad shots at the rim, but I think that'll come once he has more confidence in the mid range. You know, once he has more confidence in maybe stopping and popping instead of just going all the way, uh, I, I think all of that will come. So I think he's going to continue this trajectory. The three-point numbers or so may come down a bit, but I think RJ's on the right track. If you were gonna, if you were gonna pinpoint one thing out of all those things, like, mm-hmm. like it, it seems like obviously last year for him, last off-season shooting was the priority. I think. You know, I think it's pretty pretty clear to see that that was what he wanted to work the most on, and it, it paid off in a big way. If you were going to pinpoint one thing as like, if you're Drew Hanlon, you know, working with him in his one on one workouts, what's the what's the top thing you want him to work on this off season that you shooting, think would pay the biggest dividends? Shooting off the dribble. Yeah, yeah. definitely shooting off the dribble. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna that's gonna be like the big swing thing that, and yeah. I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the handle. Yep. You know, I think that's the big thing that he really has to work on. That's gonna be that's going to be the swing skill that that will determine. Okay, is RJ Barrett like a like? I mean, okay, this is this is again moonshotting, but mm-hmm. he could continue on his current trajectory, not really get any better handling the ball, 
and end up like like Clay Thompson eventually if he really peaked with the three point shooting and worked on just movement shooting off the catch and stuff like that uh and kept being as good as he is on defense i mean he could reach that level but if he wants to like be a more diversified player i mean essentially i think if he develops a a pretty functional handle and can shoot off the dribble and stuff he could be like jimmy butler but yeah. like actually good at shooting yeah <laughs> which uh, is a hell of a player <laughs> i agree i agree man i think he can hit jimmy jimmy levels um if he does improve in those handles and and gets confident in, in an off the dribble shot you yeah. know, what happens when they run him off the three-point line? You know, is he going to be confident or or is he going to, you know, go to his bread and butter, which is attack the rim, you know, full speed ahead, hell or high water. But, you know, sometimes that's just not there. You know, you're going to come up against better defenders that are equally as strong or, or equally as, as uh, you know, uh, you know, savvy and, and to take that away. And and so he's got to develop something in, in the intermediate and, uh, and develop his off-the-dribble skills. Yeah, for sure. I, I can't wait to see how that comes up. Like, I don't think he's going to participate in summer league because that's not really a third year no. player thing, even though it would only technically be a second one. But it, I, I'm really intrigued to see what he comes out with in preseason. Yeah, um, I'm kind. I'm kind of happy that Canada got bounced out. Yeah. No, no offense to the Canadian listeners, you know, no offense but, to your country, but uh, yeah, but get RJ back in the back in the lab, working yeah. on everything. Get him out of game situations for a little bit. Like he needs to keep working on all these skills all all uh, summer long. For for a non-Canadian Knicks fan, that was that was the best of all worlds. You saw him excel <laughs> in three games, play great in three games, and, and now he can go home rest and then just get back in the gym. Exactly, exactly. Gets to test a couple of things he's been working for the last like month and a half on. Yeah. But otherwise, go home. Go home. 100%. Work on some stuff. <laughs> 100%. All right, we're going to take our first break. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore because this is your chance to get into the game as baseball teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, the NBA is in the midst of the finals, and all kinds of great stuff. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. Again, that's betonline.ag, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. This is a, this is sort of a, a bigger picture thing. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about there was there was some debate this year already about how high is RJ ranking in that 2019 draft class? Do you think do you think he set himself as already the third best player in that class now? Like behind, obviously Zion and John Morant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. I think I think so too. I don't. I don't think there's really any question about it now either. Which is kind of wild. Like to to think after two years that he's at that level because, a you know of course famously didn't make the the all rookie teams last year, which remains really stupid. Um, But then you know on top of it, like 
there were some other players that showed some pretty good promise where you were like, all right, if this guy or that guy takes a leap like uh, Garland or Kobe White or, you know, guys along along those lines, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe maybe the, the Knicks, you know, might have screwed up and, and taken RJ or whatever. This year, I, I feel like he just totally squashed all that. It's like, yeah, no, he was he is who he thought he was. Like, he's, Yeah, I, I think he established himself as, as the clear-cut third best. As you mentioned, Kobe White, he had an outstanding year himself. Um, definitely took a, a step up from his rookie year. Uh, Garland also played well. Um, Hunter, you know, he only played 23 games. I'm very interested in seeing how he uh, bounces back next year for the Hawks, man. I was very impressed with his defense. And, and I had always been impressed with his defense coming out of Virginia and, and watching them in, in the final four and, and, uh, and him, you know, excelling there. I'm very interested in seeing how he comes back. You know, does he get a full season under his belt with the Hawks? Because he, he could certainly um, be a great two-way player. So got to see where, where he steps, where he steps in, but RJ for the, for right now is definitely locked in at, uh, at, at number three. That's very true too. I had honestly forgotten about Hunter for a minute because he's like a very low key player, but yeah, he's yeah. he's been very good too. Yeah, injury uh, injury shortened season, only played twenty three games, but yeah. um, you know definitely had some shining moments for them in the playoffs. I do really appreciate that the RJ versus Tyler Hero debate is basically dead. Yeah, at this point, <laughs> I'm just glad I don't have to hear about that anymore. Tyler Hero, he had a song made about him and everything, man. He was yeah. on top of the world two years ago. He had a song made about him. He <laughs> he was held out of James Harden trade discussions <laughs> and ultimately tanked that deal. I mean, my God, the guy was on top of the world, and now he's, what, shooting 28% in the playoffs? Yeah, it was a rough something. one, man, for Figaro yeah. and Miami, man. Yeah. Um, all right, one more, one more sort of X's and O's thing, and then we'll get into just the final – maybe frustrating for some people topics of like mm-hmm. RJ's value and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I was thinking about this. How much do you think, you know, maybe I should just lump this in with the, the, what RJ needs to improve on stuff, mm-hmm. but how much do you think it's going to help RJ presumably just replacing Alfred Payton at starting point guard? I feel like Alfred, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I talked to, to you about this on, on Nick's Fan TV once or twice when I was on. Like I've talked to a bunch of – Gavin and I used to note this all the time. It, RJ's rookie year, it seemed like both Alfred and Julius were kind of freezing him out. This year, mm-hmm. Julius got over that, and I don't think that Alfred ever did. No. It seemed like he still had sort of a, a vendetta to not pass to almost anybody but Julius still. Yeah. And and Julius got over that whole thing. Like I assume that was a comfort level thing because they had both played for New Orleans, you know, the year prior to coming to the Knicks. But this year, I don't know what the deal was with it, but it still seems like there's a little frost between Alfred Payton and RJ Barrett, and that limited RJ's opportunities to shoot like wide open threes. I mean, we could literally be talking about if Alfred had hit him for some of the shots that he was wide open for, that Alfred just had to like slightly look to the right to see him open. I RJ might have shot 50% from three yeah. going down the stretch of the season because it, there were so many opportunities there that were just kind of left on the table. Like, how much do you think just the – even if the Knicks, let's say, let's say the dream scenario for some Knicks fans comes true and they they re-sign Derrick Rose and they draft Sharif Cooper, right? And Sharif Cooper is your backup to start the season and Derrick Rose is your starter. And, you know, so RJ's getting minutes like – exclusively with like a good driving, penetrating, playmaking point guard, plus Julius Randle, obviously. Uh, do you think that would make a difference for him in his development next year as far mm-hmm. as just 
being able to be in better spots and 1000% crowded, you know, basketball courts. 1000%. And, yeah. and it's critical. And uh, me and Mac, we had talked about this uh, last week as well. Um, who he's playing with out there at the one, the two or three, whoever the other wing is going to be, and hopefully having Mitch at the five, it is going to help him out tremendously, man. And, and, you know, we talked about the fact that Peyton was freezing him out, which was so noticeable this year. It was frustrating. You know, pull your hair out frustrating. Um, how about the other way around? You know, RJ finding Peyton or finding that, that point guard in the corner only to see that it's Peyton, and you already know that that three-pointer is, you know, knocking off the side of the rim or may not even hit the rim. So, you know, having, having a, a capable – uh, point guard that can score off ball, having Mitch there, I think RJ's assist numbers are going to go up. And then just having a point guard there that can make him better, whether it's Rose, uh, you know, whether it's Sharif Cooper coming off the bench if he's drafted, you know, Conley, Lowry, one of those guys, you know, even Lonzo. Uh, I think I think those guys, the skill sets that they bring um, can certainly help RJ be a better player. And what I was saying was that you know, even if the the likely scenario happens where the Knicks don't get a, a big time star player, right? They they're not going to get uh, Kawhi and and they're not going to get Dame and have RJ here at the same time. I think it's it's still vital that we're prioritizing the development of our young guys, including RJ. Which is why, even though I wouldn't be crazy about a Lowry deal, I think he can help. You know, I wouldn't be crazy about a Conley deal. I think he can help. Um, Rose, to a lesser extent, I, I feel like he's more of a backup now at this stage in the game, but he can still help. You know, that's going to be critical. And, and so, you know, it all depends on who RJ's playing out there with out there um, on the perimeter. But, but yeah, th- those guys can certainly help. Yeah, I think that's an underrated part of player development sometimes is the surrounding players around these guys. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think RJ has legitimately been held back to some, like in some ways it's, it's kind of impressive in spite of everything that he's had to yeah. deal with. Like, I mean, his rookie year was almost like a throwaway year as, yeah. as crazy as that is to say, I mean, he had to have David Fisdale for the first half of it, who was just clueless. And so like, you're not learning anything from your coach that your first half of your rookie season. I mean, it was pretty yeah. obvious. Fisdale didn't know anything. I mean, he was just, I mean, all right, look, he, he knows some stuff, obviously. He probably he probably knows more basketball than you or I do, but he right. knows much less than your average NBA head coach, and that was pretty obvious. And so, you know, he has that for his first half of his year. He has Elf and Julius Randle, two guys that he's playing tons of minutes with, yeah. basically pretending that he's not on the court. For and Mook, and Mook. He had three yeah. ball-dominant players in that lineup with him. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and, and Mook Morris, who yep. is easy to forget about. But yeah, you had him as well, you know. All these like veteran guys basically just like pretending that the rookie on the court who's very talented just like doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And this year, too, you know, you have Alfred Payton, he's playing almost all of his games with, you know, and starting because RJ's always starting their minutes, you know, what before Alf kind of reached that weird point towards the end of the season where he was like the the honorary starter or whatever and was only getting the, you know, however many minutes to start in uh, start each half. Like he was playing a lot of minutes with Alfred Payton and, you know, that can stun his development too. So I do think it's important. Like you're right. You know, if the Knicks don't get a star and we sort of talked that we did a, uh, like a green room discussion on the the green room app the other day. And Mm -hmm. and someone had brought this up, like, are the Knicks setting up a, 
are they setting up a hotbed for like the next savior star or are they building an environment where they can grow a star? And I think it's important that they kind of toe the line of both. Like, I think you do, you want to be attractive to a star to come, but you can't, you can't like keep signing players that are not going to be conducive to your, your younger players developing properly because like the Knicks have a lot of talent on this team, younger player wise. And they're about to add, you know, I don't think they're going to make all four of their picks right. in this draft, but probably add two rookies. Two. I, yeah. I think would be reasonable to say, and maybe a stash guy or something. Plus, you're adding Vildoza, who's, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a pro, but he's a younger, you know, a younger pro. And, you know, I think it's important that, that they got to, you know, you can't bring another Alfred Payton onto this team mm-hmm. when you have guys as important as RJ Barrett there. And you, you can't waste your time with guys like that anymore. Like, you have to, even if it's, let's, I mean, in a vacuum, Alfred Payton, you know, if he used his head more, has valuable skill sets. You know, like I, I made a point on a, a pod I recorded earlier today with uh, Ricky O'Donnell from uh, SB Nation that like Sharif to me is like Sharif Cooper, I should say, is like mm-hmm. like if Alfred Payton had a brain, you know, like. Mm-hmm how he how his game is right now where he can't really shoot but he could break anybody down off the dribble he can get inside but he looks to kick to guys you know and, and the so vision important. the vision exactly and the vision you know to be able to like not just to be able to make the pass but to be able to see it before it even happens you know right. and you know I, I just don't think i don't think the knicks can afford i i would be fine if they want to keep doing the kick the can down the line thing with the cap space a little bit more this year but you can't you can't just like for continuity's sake bring back a guy like Alfred no. Payton or for any reason bring in a guy like that anymore because it's just it's not conducive to the young players on the team that are actually part of something you want to build developing properly. And I think that's so important for like teams to prioritize and and the Knicks haven't always done that. I, I agree, man. It, it's gotta be the right vets, it's gotta be the right mix, um, with the focus on helping our, our guys, our, our young players get better. No, no question. All right, we're going to take our second break. Just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And let me tell you about a cool new limited edition flavor that Built Bar has going. It is called Built Grasshopper Cookie. And it's available right now, but it's limited time. So you're going to want to make sure that you get that as soon as you can. Quick disclaimer, it's not made with actual grasshoppers. You might think so, you know, like bugs, protein, whatever. No, no bugs in this bar. It is a version of a classic Thin Mint cookie in Built Bar form. And as someone who has tried it, let me tell you, it has become one of my favorite flavors already. I'm a big Thin Mint guy. So, of course, once I saw this flavor, I was like, heck yeah, let me try this. I ate it. It's so good. It gives you that that minty flavor, the chocolate. Uh, Of course, there's chocolate on the outside and the inside tastes kind of chocolatey. And it's got like chunks of cookie on the inside, too, for that little crunch. Definitely one of the most texturally pleasing built bars out there. And, you know, as much as it tastes just like a candy bar and is so delicious, just like all built bars, it's low on calories, just 150, low on sugar, just five grams, and high on protein with 17 grams of protein. That's what you always get out of built bars. They're all going to give you that experience where you feel like you're eating a candy bar, but then you look at the nutritional facts and realize you just pumped your body full of useful protein. And no fillers, you know, you're not going to get a ton of extra calories and, you know, sugar and all the stuff that your body doesn't need to recover from a workout when really you just need that pop of protein in a good tasting package. 
Uh, and honestly, if you don't believe me, take it from the U.S. track and field team because Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Some of the best athletes this country has to offer are going to be eating Built Bars while they're breaking records and winning gold medals in Japan very soon. So if you want to get some Built Bars for yourself, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so moving to our final final little bit here before we wrap mm-hmm. up. Um, first off, before before we get into like the trade valuation stuff, what was your favorite RJ moment this year? Did you have one one moment that stood out? Yeah, I have a few. Um, the Memphis game, mm-hmm. um, uh, just just the Memphis game where Memphis was just giving us our lunch in the garden. John Morant just going off. You had uh, Dylan Brooks going off. Alan Chunas just dominating us. You know, RJ and Julius shooting bricks the whole night, and they just chipped away. And the, the final play came down to RJ taking John Morant one-on-one to the cup, ties the game up to send it into overtime. And then in overtime, RJ steps up again, and uh, I think he dropped 15 of, of 20 in, in the fourth quarter. 15 of his 20 points came in the fourth quarter in overtime, and uh, and that was in front of a, a garden crowd. So that was one of my favorite games. Um, the career high against the Thunder, 32-point game. That was that was a Saturday game, matinee game in, in OKC, and he was just absolutely dominant and efficient game there, just dominating the Thunder from beginning to end. That was a great night. Uh, as I said, that game in Golden State was a favorite game of mine. And at the end of the season against the Clippers, you know, R.J. and Bullock, man, in a, in a win against the Clippers, R.J. Bullock, of course, Julius, they, I mean, they were just electric especially down the stretch in L.A., the second-to-last game of, of that road trip, of that six-game West Coast road trip. And I thought R.J. was just great on both ends. You know, offensively, he delivered. And then he had a clutch stop on Paul George um, in, in closing time in that game to help seal the victory. So those are some of my highlights from R.J. this year. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm going to second the, the OKC game, mm-hmm. the career high. That was that was so satisfying as a fan because he had already to that point he had flirted with a thirty point game yeah. like four or five times prior to that. Um, like I'm looking at the I'm looking at the game logs now, trying to remember like which ones were which. As far as there were some where he exploded for like twenty points in the first half mm-hmm. and then only got like six in the second, and you're like, come on, man, just score mm-hmm. ten. Like we just want to see you get your first thirty point game. <laughs> It's actually kind of crazy to me with like with how good he was this year that he only has one thirty point game yeah. on his resume right now. Um, like I think quickly has more than he does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was a rookie. Kevin Knox is tied with him for thirty mm-hmm. point games in his career. Um, it just goes to show like RJ is kind of a dirty work player that will just get you. You know, he'll definitely get you like eighteen points a game. You know, even if he doesn't get you thirty, but. It was that was just so satisfying. I remember just like I feel like every time that RJ would get close to thirty, everybody would just start freaking out so much on Twitter or whatever during the game. <laughs> yeah, just being like, <laughs> just be like, oh my god, like you know, everybody's starting their own impromptu like RJ Barrett points trackers, you know, to be like mm-hmm. RJ's two points away. And yeah, man. Like he got he got within within two points of it uh, two times, or no, I'm sorry, he got within two points one time. He got within four points twice. 
Uh, he got within five points another time, you know, all in the early stages of the season and then finally broke the barrier. That was just so fun. Um, but on top of that, I, all those games that you mentioned as well yeah. were fantastic. Um, even and, though it was a, even though it was a loss, the six for six from three game against Boston as well. Yeah. That right. Was, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was, was a heartbreaker, man. That, yeah. that was a heartbreaker. Uh, the game, the, the, the clutch performance with the mid range over Porzingis in Dallas. Oh, that yeah. was a big game, man. I love mm-hmm. that game. Friday night ESPN game in Dallas. Uh, RJ dropped 24 and 8, 9 of 18 from the field, 3 of 6, and a, and a closing. I don't remember if it was if it was like a one-handed runner or just a mid-range pop over Porzingis. Uh, but that was a big, big, uh, big shot in, in, in crunch time. Yes, it was. And obviously those were all about Julius Randle, you know, mm-hmm. that that particularly that Dallas one where he just went absolutely bonkers rj was the the unsung hero in that yeah. game for sure yep. another great one all right now we're getting to the to the part that's probably going to make some people pull their hair out so mm-hmm. final final thing to close on here i this is the way that i that i chose to phrase this so on a so this is like a one to ten scale but it's not a one to ten where are you on the scale of rj is untouchable to rj is a great piece to include in a trade for a bona fide star And one is untouchable? I guess, yeah. So, yeah, if we want to call one, yeah. RJ is untouchable, and 10, RJ is a great piece to include. Yeah. I'll put it at a five. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it halfway. Um, I don't I don't think in the NBA anyone should be untouchable. That's just uh, because it's so hard to build a championship team that when you see it, when you have that opportunity, you have to do it. And we see, we've seen, you know, teams take that risk over the past few years and, and being, you know, rewarded for it. And I think, you know, a healthy Nets team would have, would have shown that again. Um, that being said, you know, when it comes to the Dame rumors and things of that nature, I, I'm not ready to do that right now because I just don't think we're there yet. You know, we're not at the point where we need to take that all-in gamble to put a championship caliber team on the floor. You know, yeah. I, Dame's my favorite player. I'd love to see him, you know, score 70, 80 points in the garden because I think he can. But, you know, that's not all I want to see. I, I want to see Dame here on a championship team, on a realistic championship team. And, and you know, with when, when you bring him here, it's, it's on a short window. And the Knicks just don't have – I don't see the vision uh, of, a, of a championship team by bringing Dame here where I would want to put – a 21-year-old R.J. Barrett in a deal uh, uh, to make that happen. I'm, I'm just not there. Yeah, I would say if I was going to rank myself on that scale, again, of one being he's untouchable, 10 being, you know, he's he's just a great piece to send out, you know, for someone else. I think I'd probably, I might even go a little, a little lower on the scale. Like, I'm probably at like a three right now. I think, mm-hmm. I just think the big thing to me is, you know, you don't want to get in a situation where like I, I could so easily see it becoming maybe RJ doesn't even turn into a megastar, mm-hmm. right? If you trade him, let's say you trade him to Portland in a package for Damian Lillard and maybe RJ never turns into that like super duper star. You know, he's never going to be a, uh, a Luca or, you know, Zion or, or whatever level of young star where you're like, Oh my God, he's untouchable. You know, he's, he's like cornerstone of the franchise type of guy. But I could very easily see it turning into a situation where you 
this harkens back to the mellow trade, right? Where they traded that great young nucleus to the nuggets for mellow and then had trouble. And I mean, there were other issues too. There was some mismanagement of, of cap space and an amnesty and Amari's knees exploding, yeah. which everybody kind of saw coming that, you know, was in the know about his medicals. There were all kinds of other things that played into how Melo's tenure went with the Knicks. But one thing that I think most Knicks fans felt during that whole time was, man, it kind of hurts to see like Gallinari turning into a, a really good player. Like, I mean, he's turned into, he's not, he's not an all-star, you know, he's not a, an all NBA player. He's not a cornerstone player for your franchise, but he has been an uh, efficient 20 point per game scorer. Mm -hmm. That has helped a lot of teams play winning basketball, you know, and he's played on a lot of really, really good teams. And, you know, you might look at that then and say, well, well, okay, but if he was the best guy to come out of the mellow deal, you know, at least as far it, it, you know, you can talk about the draft picks and stuff too, like, you know, and all the guys that came out of that. But, you know, if you're just looking at it from a player's given up perspective and being like, yeah, well, you know, Gallinari didn't turn out that good though. So why is that that big of a deal? It's like, yeah, but, if, if you could have been in a situation where you could have just showed a little more patience, gotten a couple more young players on the team, and maybe even some some players on slightly bigger contracts to make math work better, like stuff like that, that are talented enough that, you know, can be included in a deal for a, a player where maybe if you wait a year from now for whatever star wants out a year from now, you can get someone for maybe, if not even less, just don't include RJ. Then maybe you're in a situation where, like, Think about how it would have been if you would have been able to keep Gallinari in the Mellow trade. And, you know, you could have had Gallinari and Mellow together. Like, right. that's your version of bring in that new star and keep him with RJ and Julius Randle. And then, boom, you've got, like, I think RJ is a, a tertiary star in the future on a really good Knicks team. Could be a very feasible thing. So, I, I'm definitely, I'm more of the mind that I don't really want to, like, I, I don't want to think about it too much as far as trading him. And if it comes down to that and... To your point, the timing just isn't right. Timing is just it, not right. You, you got to make sure everything is in place before you make a deal like that. Yeah. And I don't fault at all, say, like what the, the Nets did, you know, like trading for Harden. Like that that was the smart move for them. And yeah. They gave up a pretty big package, but I mean, that that's the move. Like you have to make that move. Or I'm trying to think like what other – like The Raptors the, getting Kawhi. The Raptors getting Kawhi, the Clippers trading for Paul George to pair mm -hmm. with Kawhi, mm -hmm. you know, which was essentially trading for the two of them. Um, you know, the Lakers trading for Anthony Davis, right? Like, you, you know, those you, are moves you do that when you have things in place, right? Yes, and the Knicks have something in place now, but they don't have that in no. place. You know what I mean? They don't have that that championship nucleus ready to plug a star into. Where you would even entertain the idea of like, let's trade a couple of the really promising young pieces on the team. To get a 31-year-old, you know, I, top 10 player in the league. I mean, Dame is definitely top 10. Yes. You know, you get a 31-year-old top 10 player in the league to pair with your your 27-year-old all-NBA guy. And cool, okay, you might hold serve next year and be the four seed again, which, you know, maybe this year was a little fluky. Next year, maybe you're a legit four seed, but you're probably not beating the top three teams. Mm -hmm. So what are you really doing in that case? You're just kind of like you're giving up on a guy that could potentially be on your team for 10 years, you know, or longer for a guy that's going to be here for a short three, four year window before he starts to deteriorate. 
and then that's it. So, which would be typical Knicks, you it know, would. which would go back to same old Knicks, man. The timing it just isn't right, and, and so I, I think it, it's it. The Knicks have to continue, as I said earlier, they have to keep drafting and put the quality veteran pieces around that'll make this team better. Because you know they're not going to be in the lottery for some time now, and so it, it's going to behoove them to to have you know smart scouting, the savvy scouting. And build this team like the Utah Jazz, man. They have to build it like Walt Perrin was in Utah. Build it like a small market team, you know, with the belief that you're not going to get any major pieces. And then once you, you know, once you've improved the talent of your core, then you can start peeling back some pieces and start making some moves that that won't hurt you. You know, that'll that'll put you over the bar. Like I've, I've mentioned this team several times, and, and I'm so tired of talking about them, but. The Atlanta Hawks, to me, are a team that have put themselves in that position to be next in line, right? Like, if the Hawks now wanted to go in this offseason and, and make a, a a rash move, you know, they could keep this team because I, I feel like some of their young pieces are going to keep, you know, keep this team in contention for a while. But they could also peel off some of these young players and maybe go get a Bradley Beal type. You, you know what I mean? Or or that that next all-star to put with Trey that may take them over the hump because they have so many young players that have established themselves. Herder, um, um, you have Cam Reddish who's coming on. You have Hunter. You have, you know, Collins. Yes, he's going to be a free agent, but he's another uh, homegrown guy that that they've developed. You know, they've developed this this core of young players that Okongwu, you know, established himself. And, and he had a pretty impressive showing against the Greek freak in the book. So they have all these prospects that if they lose some of them, it's not going to hurt you in, in terms of going out and getting that that big time talent. Yeah, you know, salaries and things have to work out that way. But I just feel like from a young core standpoint, they could be next. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've we've already started kind of advocating for that. Like, or at least I have. I mean, I, I don't know if Gavin's 100 percent as on board with this as I am, but I've been kind of talked into the idea of like spending some money, you know, maybe even as soon as this offseason mm-hmm. and getting some players that are kind of young. Uh, but are talented and have, you know, some potential, get your Bogdanovich types, yeah, you know, uh, and those sort of guys that are like the, the, uh, even a Gallinari type who's, you know, technically speaking, like more of an older vet, but someone who's talented on the team that can mm-hmm. kind of, you know, soak up minutes, score points, whatever else. And, and then, you know, with one more draft under their belt now, maybe next off season is the time when you say, okay, right now we've got a surplus of young players and right. we have some guys on bigger salaries that we can attach them to. And suddenly you're, you're in a position like where the Hawks are in where, you know, the Hawks, yeah, to your point. I mean, I would not be surprised if they tried to take a swing at someone like Bradley Beal during this off season. Right. And, and they can put together a nice healthy package for him, you know, of, cause they haven't touched their own first round picks really either. So they could be like, exactly. Finally, we're gonna do it. You know, we're gonna we're gonna push all the chips in and say, okay, we're getting. Uh, we want Bradley Beal, so we'll send you, you know, Reddish, and maybe even they send Hunter. You know, maybe Hunter's like their uh, their mm-hmm. centerpiece of that deal. Like we're gonna send you Reddish, Hunter, and you know someone else, and uh, like three first round picks, and that's gonna get us Bradley Beal. And they didn't have to gut the team to do that. Like, right, they're just gonna replace three good players with one phenomenal all world level player. Right, um, so. And, and and maybe, you know, in the Beal topic, this is going to be his walk here, right? He's going to, into it. This is the last year of his deal, I believe. I think so, yeah. Uh, I think 
or possibly he be, becomes a free agent in 23. I, I'm not 100%. Let's I know see. he signed that little extension before last year. That's what I thought. Um, let's see what sports. There's a real quick way to find this out. Let's go to basketball reference yeah. and look at see. contracts. He sports is. Sports track says. Uh... He has a player option for 22-23. Okay, so, I see that. Okay, got it. Yes, so there it. Was, it was like a two-year extension he signed. Right. His contract was going to end this year, but then he signed a, a one-plus-one right. contract. So, so who knows? Maybe after the next year, he's tired of you know Brody hogging the ball. He's tired of losing. And maybe he says, I'll come to the Knicks. And now you have him outright with with your 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 young core with more draft picks coming up with more young players to develop and maybe a Bradley Beal you, you give him a bag. You know, we got to stay patient, man, and keep building this thing. Yeah. I am totally with you and that's I think a pretty good note to wrap this one up on. We managed to go about an hour. I was thinking this would probably be like 30 40 minutes. Yeah. This There's a lot to talk about. That. Yeah. Lots, this was a good. Lot, yeah, a lot to talk about with RJ and then just team building in general, but so much of that I mean, it kind of underscores the point of how important RJ is to this team that we started talking about RJ and then started talking about, well, how is the very fabric of this team going to be made up for the next right. five, six, seven years? Because he's he can potentially be that important to this team going forward. So a lot of really good discussion. Uh, CP, do you want to let everybody know where to find you? Uh, you know, Twitter, obviously YouTube, all the good stuff where everybody can find all your fantastic work with Knicks Fan TV. Yeah, sure, man. So it's youtube.com slash KnicksFanTV, uh, KnicksFanTV.com, and, and KnicksFanTV on, on all social media platforms, man. So I'll definitely appreciate it. Always appreciate it. And uh, I'll see you on KnicksFanTV hopefully uh, coming up soon. Yeah, man. I'm sure, I'll be, I'm sure I'll be stopping by again soon. It's always a pleasure coming on there, too. Uh, definitely check out KnicksFanTV. Uh, you put out so much good content throughout the offseason and stuff. It gives me something to aspire to after – Appreciate the uh, the uh, uh, last year former player like round robin running through like all the old Knicks and everything. <laughs> it's just really really fantastic product. So uh, I'll I'll do a little salesmanship for you there. If anybody here that's listening to this show has not checked out Knicks Fan TV on YouTube, there's enough of a back catalog that you can check out quite a bit of stuff on uh, CP's page. So definitely check that out. CP, thanks so much for popping on, man. As always, uh, this was really fun, and uh, hopefully, it won't be too long. We'll 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 keep swapping appearances more. Yeah, man. A- anytime, man. Anytime. Thanks again. <laughs>